Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Diaspora Podcast. My name is Mojisola Indukwe. I am a Yoruba girl by birth, Igbo by marriage, and African flower on American soil. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. This podcast is a self-help podcast for women of our demographic, Daughters in the Diaspora. Now today, I have my first guest. When I tell you I'm excited, I am excited. My first guest is one of my dearest friends we met in college, and she has literally been more than a friend. She's like my sister. I feel like we have such great conversations. Mm-hmm. Low key, before I even started paying for therapy, Stephanie was my therapist. <laughs> so our relationship is deep, but you yes. know, um, so many things I can say about her. Ste- Dr. Stephanie Alvara Sule. Yeah. Ooh, yes. She is a doctor of psychology. She mm-hmm. is a wife, mm-hmm. and she is the founder of Thought Filled Couch. So, mm-hmm. Stephanie, I don't want to take up all the time. You know, you go ahead and tell us about yourself. Oh, that's one of the dreaded questions <laughs> for me as an empath. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about myself. Um, but um, like Moji said, I'm Stephanie Oparasule. Um, 20 something, late 20 something, yeah. really just exploring life, just as an adult, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I am a psychologist and a clinical psychologist by training. Um, a lot of my interests are focused around self care and self compassion. And so I do a lot of work in that area. Um, it's very interesting being a Nigerian American, right? Um, an Igbo Ada, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we're going to chop that up okay. soon. But- um, it's interesting coming from that perspective and then being a psychologist. Um, so I'm so, 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 so honored to be here with you and have this conversation. Thank you, Stephanie. If you guys can see me, maybe one of these days I'll transition to like audio and visual and put up YouTube <laughs> videos as well, but we're not there yet. Let's try that little softly. But if you guys can see the smile on my face, I'm showing all teeth. <laughs> and I'm so here for it. <laughs> because, yes. um, I mean, there's so much that we can get into. Um, mm-hmm. Both Stephanie and I are both first daughters, but our dynamics mm-hmm. are a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And Stephanie, you can, I, I'll give you the platform. You, you know, kind of <laughs> tell us about you know, where you are amongst your siblings. You did say mm-hmm. you had that, so you're the first girl. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just go into that. Sure, yeah. So I'm the Ada, but I'm also the first child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, you know, an interesting dynamic. Um, both of my parents live outside of America. Um, and so, and I have siblings that live in America. Um, so for a long time- and you also probably, live in America. Right, I do <laughs> I also live in America, um, and so my siblings actually call me vice mom, which mm. is like pseudo mom, right? Um, and that comes with a lot of responsibility. I can imagine. I'm not currently a mother, um, 
But at this point, maybe we'll talk about that. Because that's something I have to unpack for myself. I'm not ready, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've been doing it for, for so long. So long but I'm just like, do I want to even? Anyway, we'll probably talk about that later. But um, that's kind of been my role, just kind of managing the family home um, in America, making sure it's okay. And then recently getting married. And what what does that transition look like? Because I'm used to managing my parents' home. And now I'm going into a home with my husband. Mm-hmm. And he's managing it. But I'm used to being in control. This a dynamic like, they do not prepare <laughs> us for. When you are hyper-independent and you are made to be... Yeah the manager of the household and that all of a sudden this man swoops in and wants to hello and he wants to help and i'm like yeah like i appreciate it but give me a second because right a lot and i think you know i'm sorry to just jump in here i feel like there's so much we can unpack with what you talked Mm -hmm. about or really just even getting into that dynamic so you did mention that um your brothers call you pseudo mom and that's something Mm -hmm. that i also wanted to kind of highlight like you were taking care of the household while your parents were thousands were in an entirely different continent right and you know so really you know i would like to hear more about that experience in the sense of you know Mm -hmm. you were doing this i you know i can only speak from when i met you and that was when we were like 19 you know so the fact that you were doing this you know so young Mm-hmm. And then also having to figure out life for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. what, what did you, what learning experiences did you have from basically raising your brothers, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, your sister has been with your parents, but you basically right. had to raise your brothers and raise yourself right. at that same mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. how was that dynamic for you? Um, I think at the time it was fine. And I think at the time I was very proud of it, right? Like I am um, 18. I have, uh, my mother finally moved away when I was 18. Um, So I have this whole house to myself. I'm taking care of it. You know, I'm being responsible. Um, I'm the one who reminds my parents, you need to pay my school fees or I need this, right? Like I'm the person who's responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, but later in life, I'm like, that was so much pressure. Yes. And when I realized it taught me that I, I have to operate at this high level all the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to support me. Right. Mm-hmm. My parents, thankfully they supported me financially for a while, but, um, nobody else is going to come to my rescue. Mm-hmm. So if I don't say I need books, no, no, those books are not coming. Mm-hmm. If I don't and say, I, I, I do want to point out. You, know, you say coming. your parents supported you financially, which mm-hmm. is, of course, is true. But you also had yeah. to schedule that, yeah. that support. Like you had mm-hmm. to be on top of that for them mm-hmm. as well. And that yeah. is a lot of pressure. As you're speaking, one mm-hmm. thing I'm hearing is we don't realize we're going through a traumatic situation until it's no longer a situation for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you like, tell us more about that. When you had that moment or, or yeah. that shift, yeah. how would that feel for you? Yeah, it was shocking. That's actually what led me to therapy. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly one of my brothers deals with a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas. I was home from 
grad school, I believe. And I went to grad school away from home. Um, so I was home for grad school, taking care of my brothers, making sure they were okay. One of them got really sick and had to be hospitalized. And mm-hmm. I was so angry. Like the anger that I held, I was like, this is not okay. Like I was resentful. And that's what I like noticed. I was like, I was so resentful. And I was actually telling myself, you shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And was I, that resent like, towards your shaming parents myself. or towards your siblings yeah. or towards yourself? Mm-hmm. The whole situation, everybody. Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. my parents, my sibling, who didn't cause any of, none of this was anybody's fault, but it was just like the role that I am playing mm-hmm. and the responsibility I feel as a 20 something year old, I was probably 25, 26. I was like, I should be having fun. Like I should be out. I should be with people. I should not be making hospital runs and trying to make sure and keeping my mom in the loop and keeping this person in the loop and making sure answering calls and all that stuff. Granted, I will say, I believe my parents did the best that they could, but the positions that I was placed in, the moment I realized, like, wow, I'm becoming so resentful was when I was like, I need to get into therapy. Mm. I need to unpack all of this. Mm. This is weighing on me. And I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me until it was like this crazy level of anger. And I can only imagine how that will feel, especially considering your career of choice. You know, you being mm-hmm. a doctor of psychology and at the time mm-hmm. in grad school, you mm-hmm. know, and you're learning of the nuances of the mind. Mm-hmm. How did those two intertwine for you? Like, yeah, how did that connection happen? Mm-hmm. Or how did it even play out, I would say? Yeah. So for that situation specifically, or how did I get in this field in the first place? Well, and you know what? We should get to probably let's backtrack. Because <laughs> I feel like we've just been diving in. Right, listen. Um, there's so much you can unpack there. But, you know, mm-hmm. let's take a step back and actually talk about how you got into, you know, the field mm-hmm. um, for the mental health space and then mm-hmm. going into getting your doctorate. Because I would say yeah. in college... One thing I remember from college is that you were always an ear to listen. Like you always were open to listening to Mm -hmm. all of our little situations and giving (laughs) some type of perspective. And so once, you know, as the years go on and, you know, you become a psychologist, it just kind of like, it made sense. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this is this is the type of job that or type of career path that Stephanie should be doing. But what kind of got you into that? And, you know, how did that affect, you know, when you had that friction point also? Mm -hmm. It was y'all. It was (laughs) y'all. So, because when we met, I think I was still a bio major, a Mm pre-med. Yeah. Um, But I was struggling and I was like, I don't know why I'm struggling. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Um, and I realized, like, this is my position as a friend. Like, I'm always the listening ear, and I mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, can you I make money insight, Especially even, sorry to jump in. I'm just, like, treating this as one of our random conversations. But mm-hmm. you always gave such good insight. So backtrack a little bit. I, what actually led you to study um, bio? Mm-hmm. when you started was that a choice that you made on your own or was it kind mm-hmm. of like you know 
interferences from family members that kind of just made you because honestly that is something yeah. that a lot of I know I have a lot of younger siblings I, I call them my siblings but you know young girls that are within our demographic that are going through the same thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. my parents told me I'm good with people so I should become a nurse but mm-hmm. that's not the only or I should become a doctor but that's not the only you know clinical areas where you can be successful right. Um, right. especially if you're, I feel like if you're passionate about something, you're going to be successful regardless. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. kind of tell us like what led you to the initial STEM, um, STEM yeah. major. And then when was the transition point for you? Sure. So um, my parents were really good about not, um, like putting their own desires on us. So Definitely. it was just some kind of something that I came to like, Oh, I like kids. I'll be a pediatrician. And then at one point I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a teacher. But then that's when the influences of aunties and uncles were like, Mm. why be a teacher when you couldn't be a doctor? Like, Mm -hmm. what does that even mean, being a teacher versus being a pediatrician? But then I was like, all right, I'm going to keep going. And and I was good in school. I got Mm -hmm. the grades and I was like, okay, I guess that's the sign. Mm-hmm. And I get to, <laughs> get to college <laughs> and a reality check. I hate chemistry, mm-hmm. hate chemistry. Um, and so like, I think chemistry is I, where every, it's like everybody's breaking point. <laughs> literally, it, it, it weeds everybody out. The people who are not supposed to be there, it weeds you out. And it did mm-hmm. wonders for me. Um, but then I did some exploration and my dad actually did a lot of work in the mental health field before he got a job outside of the country. Um, so I talked with my dad and he gave me his advice and things like that. And so through then, <laughs> it's so funny. And I, I haven't really drawn this connection before, but I wrote my parents an email. Mm. So by this time, when I was in college, that's when they were out of the country. I wrote them an email and I was like, I can't do this, changing my major. This is what I'm going to do because I felt like I had to mm. explain to them why and like what the outcome was going to be. Which mm. is so interesting. I wish I could yeah. like, put bookmarks in everything that you're saying because that's another thing, like, especially being in this demographic, always feeling like you have to justify every single move Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. make and I Mm -hmm. early on for me I disliked that and I think that was a that was a constant or I would say a chronic friction point between me and my father especially Mm -hmm. because I was the type of person who you would tell me what I should do and I would purposely do the opposite just because I don't like being told what to do anymore to like do. I hit a breaking mm. point I think for me it actually happened quite early it happened like in high school and I I just reached a breaking point I'm like I'm mad independent under my parents house like yeah, yeah. no like no yeah and I realized that those survival tactics that they instill into women especially young daughters mm. to yeah. manage the household and be on top of this and be on top of bills and everything like that you know I started to have to learn that early on because my mom would travel back and forth to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. But when I started mm-hmm. to pick, when I started to realize, like I'm like, all right, the math is not mathing, and I am not going. And honestly, even when I said, okay, this is what I want to study, like for you, um, I had this just like you. I had the same type of situation happen in mm-hmm. which I told my parents I wanted to study health administration. 
Mm-hmm. And my mom was fine with it. She said, you know, whatever, whatever. I told my mom even one time I wanted to be a cosmetologist and this girl was trying to sign me up. I even told her I wanted to be a model before. And oh. so my mom is very supportive in that area. Mm-hmm. My father, he's more of, I'll support you once I start to see that this actually is something that's going to, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was oh, yeah. like, be a doctor. You know, why not just be a doctor? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> No, that's not, you know, it was a tussle, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, so I definitely, at least for me, mine was more of a one parent dynamic, but right. I think something else people don't talk about is the interference of aunties and uncles and how that can change your mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. as well. So get right. back to change that. your parents' mindset. Mm-hmm. That because too. That was. Says. That is a running thread. Mm-hmm. And I honestly even think like when I think I don't blame my father because I know a lot of it came from it was a lot of it was outside noise. Like yeah. I tell her to yeah. why would she tell her to be a doctor job? Like what do you, you know? Mm-hmm. So oh, but yeah, so you know, get into that with the how aunties and uncles kind of like shaped your dynamic for your first major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was just like um people were like oh you should be a doctor and then when I um because for me my parents I'm I've always been close with my parents so my parents opinion matters to me more than anyone else mm-hmm. right and so once my parents were like cool my dad was so supportive of it my mom was like well as long as you get a job do what you gotta do um so my dad was so excited he was like, yes I love this for you and people were like well there's no money in that why are you going to go into that? Um, and then my mom will come back and be like, oh, somebody told me that they were on the psych ward and someone attacked them. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, the and WhatsApp groups are a listen, not okay. Not okay. And she's like, are you safe? Are you okay? And I, I get where her concern was coming from, but I was like, if this person never told you that, you would like, why did this influence? Why don't she come and ask me? Like, what's the environment like? Mm-hmm. Versus all the fear. I'm like, oh, like bookmark. Because it's like that's another thing. Inst- yeah. like, oh. Parents are so. I would say adults. Period. Mm-hmm. They are so. They're easily influenced by their. Um, peer peer pressure. They were talking to us about peer pressure, but I'm like. Don't they don't realize that that's peer pressure too? And instead of if I if I am telling you this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. assume that I've done my research and come exactly. and ask me. Because exactly. if you come and ask me and I can give you a flat out answer, then that should give you some trust. And if Absolutely. you come to me and ask me and I can't give you a flat out answer, then encourage me to look into it more. And then it lets you know, okay, maybe I should look into what some other people are saying in X, Y, and Z. But don't let outside individuals be your point of contact. Like, okay. <laughs> communicate with the person who's actually going to be involved in this. But mm-hmm. back on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, girl. Oh, yeah. So once you, you know, you entered, we both went to UMBC. So you entered mm-hmm. UMBC as biomed, mm-hmm. went through that transition. Um mm-hmm told your parents that you were changing majors. What was their, res- well, you talked about your dad's response and your mm-hmm. mom's response, mm-hmm. um, but what, 
how did that dynamic change for you? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, like, was there some fear that was still there? You know, Mm -hmm. was it like a weight lifted off of your shoulders? You know, how did that experience feel for you? Good. It felt like, yes, I'm finally, I think when I finally got into my like 200 level psychology course, I was like, this is, I love this. Like, this feels good. This feels right. This feels like where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents were realizing, because if, if we really want to get into it, like I was having panic attacks and that's how I, I realized like something is not right. Like something mm-hmm. is, my mood was not good. Like something is not right. And if I had, anyway, if I had, peeped it before I would have gone to therapy then mm-hmm. anyway no so but that, that shows how like being in alignment with your destiny yeah like yeah when you're not in alignment everything mm-hmm. will come crashing down literally and literally. that kind of oh, I, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place with you no I, I, I think we are like that that brings another conversation point about like a higher mm-hmm. being because Africans yeah. have this crazy ideology of if you don't do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, God is not going to he he's not going to honor what you yeah. want or your way of life. When in actuality, mm-hmm. God is directing our steps in every single way. And when mm-hmm. things are feeling off, He's mm-hmm. letting you know, okay, this is not the plan that I have Something for you. Something is not right. You're not in alignment. You're not doing what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And like that is so important. And I feel like so talking about the intersection of being like Nigerian and Christian, like we always talk about trust God, trust God, trust God. So if God is leading me in a different direction, mm. you don't want me to go in that direction. Then what are we actually talking about? Exactly. Are we not trusting God anymore? That part, sis, that part, <laughs> that part. Very confused, right? Like, and so like we send mixed messages when we say trust God, but then when I know God is leading me in a different direction, everybody's like, no, but what about money? Mm-hmm. And money is good. Don't get Money is good. There's mm-hmm. a place for it. But when I'm in alignment, when I know I've been called to something, like I, I can't tell you how powerful that is for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and the different that avenues that you can even do. step into when it comes to that calling. We didn't even know. We didn't even know. Like, we didn't even realize, like, the so many opportunities, mm-hmm. right? At the time, I just moved. I just went in that direction. And mm-hmm. God just opened doors where he needed to. And it's just been... And my dad says it. My dad was like, I've seen how, like, you taking that step has opened other doors. Mm-hmm. And I think that... And being the oldest child, you're often leading the way and like navigating and pushing the parents' boundaries. And so I think that has helped them with my brothers too. Mm. Like they're gonna make it, you know, mm-hmm. they're gonna be okay. They know what God is calling them to do and they're going in that direction and we're gonna support them as much as we can. So you know. I think I think that's a great point. And it's also a point where I would like to say you know, being in the dynamic of a first child or first mm-hmm. daughter or even both, like in your case, mm-hmm. give yourself a lot of grace and give yeah. your parents some grace too. Yeah. Because y'all are yeah. both just figuring it out. 
like everybody's just figuring it out. And I think yeah. once I became an adult, I realized my parents ain't know they're going. <laughs> they had they, no idea. They had no idea. And when you think they about no it, they, they uprooted themselves from one yes. place. The yes. entire, everything is different. Socially, mm-hmm. economically, culturally, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. is different. And then they brought you to mm-hmm. this new place or they came to this new area and this new environment and literally it's survival mode. Like that's literally. what it is for them. Literally. It's I, the courage. I just, I, I often think I'm like, I don't have the amount of courage and like the, the bravery to step out into a whole different location and say, you know what, I'm going to do well here. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going but just, to. Don't you? I would, I would, I would, I would push back on that because you left, you left mm-hmm. PG County. <laughs> Come on. Did. And they moved sure to a whole other state. Hello. Sure By did. yourself. Hello. Mm-hmm. To pursue mm-hmm. a doctorate degree. Hello. Mm-hmm. And you're thriving. So okay. I'm, I can understand the dynamic of leaving an entirely different continent, but environments change nationally. Very and very, I would, I would employ you to girl. You better pat yourself on the back. Don't be doing that stuff. That you right, <laughs> like us, we daughters. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Try to, yeah. you know, bring up, bring what we did a little down because it's not yeah. up to the scale. Our parents did it not. It's the same thing, just a different yeah. same template. Just different words are being filled in. So mm-hmm. that's. <laughs> That's yes. Really no, you, that's right. You no, but, but I, I definitely, I definitely get what you say, and I, you know, mm-hmm. it's frightening and encouraging at the same time. Um, but I, I can only imagine what wonders that did for your brothers, you know, and even your sister, because mm-hmm. your sister mm-hmm. is like farther behind than you are in the, in the mm-hmm. when it comes to the age gap. But you have basically created a foundation for her specifically. Because it's yeah. one thing, like, I have two older brothers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, they may have made a few things easier for me. But being a daughter, that's yeah. an experience they're never going to understand. And that's a dynamic Absolutely. that is different from their relationship with my parents mm-hmm. than my relationship with my parents. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I think that that is wonderful. And I would... Oh, I wish we could bring your brothers on because <laughs> I would just, I just wonder like, you know, how they kind of felt about that or have, is that something that you guys have talked about? I mean, of course we don't have to get into these, yeah, sure, sure. but mm-hmm. you know, I can only imagine um, seeing how you've literally changed course while still taking on all these responsibilities and duties and you you're, mm-hmm. you're thriving in so many ways you're thriving within your relationship you, you found a great person you're thriving mm-hmm. with your career and you're yeah. thriving just adulting and and, and, I, and I know we and, and let me say this <laughs> I know we still are all figuring it out too yeah at the same Correct. time just the simple fact that you know, you have a good head on your shoulders and when you do reach friction points, you, you realize those friction points are there and you try to navigate mm-hmm. you know, around that. So Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I forgot where we were. <laughs> I forgot where we were. Like I, we were we were 
I think we were leaning up to the point where I started going to therapy. Yeah. Right? Like how everything came to a head and then I was like, I got to go. Um, but I think, so grad school happens. I'm learning about um, the brain and the mind and how, you know, certain instances in our lives are like little T traumas, right? I didn't, I was an assaultant and all this stuff, but there were things that happened in my life that would be considered like little T trauma. Um, and so how yeah, all of this, that. Impacts, what how, is, yeah, it little T trauma, little T trauma. Okay, yeah. So. so, and it's not to make it seem like it's little, but it's like, it's not. So when we think of big traumas, we're thinking of sexual assault. We're thinking about war, major car accidents, um, a loved one being killed violently, right. Or hearing about someone being killed violently or witnessing it. Right. The little T traumas, we're thinking of things like poverty, we're thinking about things like um, parentification, right? Which mm-hmm. we, we kind of talked about, like mm-hmm. we had to be um, almost like little parents. Um, we're thinking about changes in family dynamics. So somebody moving, somebody dying, right? Maybe a, a death that we knew was coming, right? Grief and all that stuff. So it's smaller things, but it's significant because it impacts how we see the world. Okay. Right. And it changes how we view the world and how we deal with people. Okay. Um, and so learning all these things, I'm like, oh, I should probably go to therapy. But I was like, I don't know why. I don't have, I'm doing well. Right. I'm doing okay. My stress is from school and from family stuff. I'm doing fine. I need to go to therapy. So it was like, I was like, I should, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people, tend to be in that place they're like I feel like it will be good for me but I don't really have a reason mm-hmm. which is not true because we do but we, it hasn't come up yet mm-hmm. and it so that moment yes mm-hmm. that moment when I felt this like un and it felt unreasonable to me like in that moment because I was like I know my my brother didn't try to get sick he just got sick it's just a, um but I was so angry I was like, okay, girl, it's time. Now's the time. Now's the time. You can go. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's time. Let's and go. It just, you know, as you're saying that, I feel like that was kind of my situation also where um, I just had this inkling like, hmm, maybe I should look into therapy. But I'm like, ah, everything's good. I got my big girl right. job. I am thriving, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. everything's working out. And so for me, what I, what I was doing, I started like listening to podcasts more and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really like taking in what I'm learning or what other, or what resonates with me and really like processing it. And it took, a. a it took me like getting laid off, moving to another state, and mm. not having like any distractions anymore. Like no longer having my side mm-hmm. hustles, no longer working, yeah. no longer having like my environment around me, like the mm-hmm. people who I know and introduced mm-hmm. to around me for me to be like, all right, yeah, time to go to therapy. Yeah. And um, I think, I don't know how to phrase this, but it, it like, maybe you can say if this is something that you've like 
picked up in like your training or your education. Um, just like when we hit those friction points, like mm-hmm. how does that impact you going forth? Because I know mm-hmm. for you, you know, well, I, I'm assuming now for you, hitting that point saying, okay, I need to go to therapy, but then how that will affect, you know, there's a, there's still a lot of like, I don't want to say shame or around therapy or mental health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then also being within the field, you know, how did that point affect you? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that you were able to process like, in real time or did it take going through some therapy to then realize, Hmm, okay. Maybe I need to process this a little more. I don't know if you get what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, I think where I was thinking or where I was kind of like nervous about was letting my family know I was in therapy. Mm. Um, because in, in grad school, it was actually encouraged they're like we encourage you and i believe some programs even make you um but our our program did not because they're always like how can you really do therapy if you never seen like you watch all these videos right these tutorials but like if you've never really been part of the process and see the other side Mm -hmm. like and i think i have a lot more empathy um, for people on the other side of being like so nervous, my first appointment was like, oh, God, like, here we go. Even though I've done this so many times on the other side as a therapist, but like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is my first appointment. What am I about to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, but so I didn't feel that we're going to, and a lot of my good friends in the program were doing therapy throughout mm-hmm. the program. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, it was encouraged. Um, but I was like, do I tell my parents this or? not like Uh and at the so at the time I had a a, another brother who was dealing with depression Uh and he was in therapy Uh so my parents were open to it but then I was like well what do I tell them because I'm I'm not I don't have depression Uh I mean what I know now is I have anxiety Uh um but like how do I it's not impacting my functioning. It's actually making me very high functioning, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, like over. That, and I think that is, that is like, that's all of us. <laughs> like in this demographic. Can I tell you? Yes. Overachieving to the point where we are not compassionate to ourselves. Like we are just so hard on ourselves because we're like, I've got to be this. My parents, they sacrificed all these things. And they tell me this story every month about how they did all this stuff and how when they came to America, they did this, 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 so that I could be successful. What does it look like if I'm not successful in the way that they've defined success, mm-hmm. right? And so like, it's just all of that. And I've got to be perfect. And so that's something that I, um, un, un, I know it was unintentional, but that was the message I got. I've, I have to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. I'm taking care of this this house over here while I'm in grad school over here, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to focus on my studies, but I'm making sure everything is okay over there. Even though there are some grown men who are over there. Mm-hmm. We can get into that later. But I'm the oldest daughter, right? I'm the oldest child, so I've got to do all these things. So I have to be perfect. I can't miss a beat. I can't miss a bill. I can't, right? Like, I've got to let everybody know this is what's happening. 
Um, and so from that, I got a, a belief that I've got to be perfect, right? And then putting all the pressure on myself. Um, but I'm a procrastinator, so that's how my perfectionism shows up. I'm like, I'm gonna wait. <laughs> Last minute possible. Um, I think I've got to that point too, where I've just become, uh, I'm more high function when it's like in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. And I think that has come from like years of always having to be on, like years mm-hmm. of always having to make sure this and that is done and your brain mm-hmm. is just over in overdrive for like mm-hmm. so long in your life that you just get to a point where it's just like, all right, I got a couple more days. I'll deal with it. I'll deal mm-hmm. with it. I'll deal with it until, mm-hmm. like I said, nick of time function. Yeah. Um, but man, like I feel like there's so much we can tap into in what you just talked about. Because even the whole gender roles of you know mm-hmm. we're we're pushing thirty, so that means mm-hmm. your brothers are between the mid to late, mm-hmm. mid, and, and other family mm-hmm. members being you know around your family home. You still mm-hmm. felt the pressure of having yeah. to do it all. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll get back to the connection of, you know, your work and mm-hmm. your career trajectory and how that intertwined with starting to go to therapy. Um, but, you know, I would like to hear more about that that gender role dynamic. And you don't have to give your personal, you know, experience, mm-hmm. just what are your thoughts about that, about, you know, because I feel like I feel those pressures sometimes too. And I think what has helped me, um, especially with going through therapy, um, what has helped me is having that constant reminder that you don't have to wear everybody on your shoulders. Like you mm-hmm. can focus on you. you can fo- like having that mm-hmm. constant reminder has allowed me to, especially with moving back to the area yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. allowed me to instill boundaries and stay stick with those boundaries even when others are uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. one thing I had to teach myself was they'll eventually learn. And mm-hmm. what's either gonna happen is I can keep people pleasing and be miserable, mm-hmm. or I can or, and be miserable for a long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. or I can instill these boundaries and they can have a little misery for a short period of time and adjust. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, you are priority to yourself, mm-hmm. not to anyone mm-hmm. else. Everyone is priority to themselves. So of course, you mm-hmm. know, when, when our family members and nothing is ever intentional or with malice right. intent, But our families aren't thinking about what is this pressure doing to this person? Is this person able to take care of themselves while handling, you know, these tasks? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I would just like to get your thoughts on, like, those gender roles and how you... What are your thoughts on, like, shifting that dynamic, you know, especially Mm -hmm. being the first daughter and you know, trying now you're newly married. So you mm-hmm. have a new nucleus, you know, yeah. how did yeah. how that play out for you? Yeah. I think that pivotal moment, um, 
and I hate to carp it back on therapy because therapy is not a fix all, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't fix everything. But I think what we focused on was this feeling of obligation that I had to my family mm-hmm. all the time. I'm obligated. So um, by the time I got into therapy, I was living about three hours away. So I wasn't super far anymore. So I could go back and forth. And so I was going home like once a month. Mm-hmm. And my therapist was kind of like, do you need like, do you need to? Because it would stress me out. Like, I have to go and I have to do these things in, like, three days and come back, right? And, like, um, so she was just kind of questioning, like, you have people there. And so a lot of the problem actually was me not being willing to trust my brothers to be mm-hmm. like, this needs to be done, mm-hmm. right? And because my parents always put that on me, mm-hmm. right? It was always me. control. Right. And so I told, I started having those conversations with my mom. I was like, no, I can't make it. But I talked to this person. They're going to take care of it, right? And my brother. And I think the beautiful thing that happened is growth. Mm-hmm. Not only for me, but for my family. Mm-hmm. It was no longer, well, we're going to wait for something. Somebody can handle it. Somebody can do this. Somebody is going to take care of it. It was now like, no, let me ask one of your brothers first. Mm-hmm. Let me see if they can, because they're right there, right? Let me see if they can do it. And I think just setting those boundaries, like you said, like, I can't come this weekend. Like, I can't. Um, it really, like, everybody leveled up. And I think I wasn't, I was thinking everybody's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They're, they're- we always, like, we always have a critic in our head. Yes. This isn't going to yes. work. This isn't going to yes. work. It's not going to work. They're not going to do it. They're going to hate me. They're not going to, you know, and it, it was just not it. And I, and I think that's, the beauty of a family that cares for you, even though they're like, yes, we're gonna, we want you to do all these things, but like, if you can't do it, we understand. Mm -hmm. And so that was not the response I was expecting. And so I think I um, underestimated them, Mm -hmm. right? And underestimated their ability to like, take my boundary and be like, okay. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I've been listening to a podcast talking about the psychology of self-doubt and how, you mm-hmm. know, self-doubt also plays into the factor of even doubting your boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. should I put this in place? Are mm-hmm. they capable? When you mm-hmm. just really have to just trust yourself and trust others to, if they can't yeah. do it, allow them to grow. Yeah. You know? But I would like to kind of pivot here and bring it back to your um, work, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've discussed so many things, the gender roles, the, mm-hmm. the doubt, the boundaries, the anxiety. And, you know, from a more clinical perspective, one, how has this changed your practice, but what are some things you've learned in the course of your career um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you can highlight in regards to those different experiences for other women within our demographic? Yeah. yeah, I think um, the first thing, you know, like oftentimes when you go to therapy, they ask you about your childhood, right? What was mm-hmm. your childhood like? Um, because it all affects, it affects us. Mm-hmm. And so things will happen and nobody's saying you need to be perfect, but somehow I got the message that I needed to be mm-hmm. right. 
because I was given all this responsibility. And when I didn't fulfill certain responsibilities, I would get certain responses, right? Mm -hmm. And so as an empath, I'm like, I'm picking up your energy and then I'm like, oh, so I shouldn't fail. I shouldn't make a mistake or else Mm -hmm. you're gonna be angry and I don't want you to be angry, right? Mm -hmm. And so the people pleasing starts like, cause I feel your energy and I don't want to feel that discomfort. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to keep you happy as much as I can. So that means I'm really working hard. I'm really thriving. Right. And so unintentionally, the messages you get is you need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not enough if I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so just kind of thinking about what messages we may have gotten in our childhood, right. They were carrying out. Mm-hmm. Cause what that means is, I'm going to be perfect everywhere. I'm never going to let you down, Moji. I'm going to answer every call. I'm going to text you within five minutes. Like, you're always going to have access to me because I never want to let you down, right? And that is, that's leading to burnout. Mm-hmm. I cannot be everything for everyone. Yes. And I have to remind myself that all the time. Yeah. So just kind of realizing, like, how did my childhood impact how I'm navigating relationships? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, like a major key and then the second thing is like self-compassion because I think um one thing I realized and one thing I'm glad my parents got better with as time went on was like I felt like I wasn't getting I didn't get any attention if I wasn't doing well Mm. right and so then what I started to do for myself is like well you're not doing well you need to do better you and there was no grace and there was no compassion yeah. and there was no right um and so now i'm just being very mindful of like i'm showing myself a whole lot of compassion i'm like girl what do you need like that didn't work out well but we're gonna figure out how we're, that's gonna be better it's okay like everybody has those days like but literally i am my own cheerleader because i realized the more compassion i show to myself the more compassion that i could be to other people yes yes and you know i think i think those are all great points and it's just as you're talking it's just like man i wonder how many other women that are going to come on this platform that have had that had those same experiences because I feel like that's the mm-hmm. same for me picking up that energy of disappointment and feeling like, okay I don't want to feel that anymore mm-hmm. or you know never being given grace in mm-hmm. any mistake mm-hmm. you know and realizing that okay I have to be perfect or otherwise I'm not going to be accepted in a sense mm-hmm. and I would ask you know from a clinical perspective Mm-hmm. How would you suggest women within our de- demographic combat that? Yeah, I think I think with self compassion, I think that's like the first thing of like just being okay with I'm not okay, right? Like I'm not okay, and there's no shame in that. I think we, unfortunately, especially like um, I only know Roger and culture really, but mm-hmm. there's so much shame. There's so much shame. Um, and then even in Christian, some certain Christian cultures, there's so much shame, right? Like, don't do this, don't do that, or you're this, or you're that, right? Um, but not approaching ourselves with that same shame, mm-hmm. right? That's like the first thing. And I think being in a supportive relationships, and that can be a therapeutic relationship, that could be friendships, 
Mm-hmm. I think friendships really teach us sometimes how to treat ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then romantic relationships, right? Like support, being in places where you can be supported. And mm-hmm. support doesn't always mean I'm a baby. Support might be like, I'm going to call this out. Like, girl, I see what you're doing. Yeah. And it may not be helpful, mm-hmm. right? But being in these relationships that are almost, I don't want to call it reparenting, but almost yeah, reparenting. I mean- Mm-hmm. As you're even saying that, like I'll give an example for me. Um in regards to that self-compassion, you know, in the process of becoming a wife and now a mom, I'm always thinking of everything that I need to do. And yeah. this needs to be done, this needs to be house needs to be cleaned, I need mm-hmm. to do this. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I have all these things on my plate. Mm-hmm. And when I get tired, I'm just always feeling like, okay, I need to push through rather mm-hmm. than allowing myself grace to just rest right. and get done tomorrow, you know? Right. So what I have been doing um, is I would, and this is something, and I also, we'll, we'll get to this, but I want to mm-hmm. talk about from your experience or what your thoughts on the difference between different therapeutic approaches like Mm -hmm. for me I went from working with a therapist to now working with a psychologist and that those therapy sessions are very different and even Mm -hmm. I even have family members who work with a psychiatrist and those sessions are very different so Mm -hmm. but before you even get in there uh, I'll you know I'll point out for me like I have to talk to my inner child I have to give myself those reminders and sometimes even outwardly speak and say, no, gee, it's okay. It's okay. You can rest. It's okay. You don't have to go to this place. Okay. You don't have to do this for this person. It's okay. They will be okay. And notice I didn't say they will understand because sometimes people don't understand, but they will be okay. So (laughs) what are some examples in, in, within that category that you would mm-hmm. say, you know, let's say a young lady is listening to this and she can't afford therapy yet, or, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't really know how to give herself self-compassion. What are some examples that you can um, relay that may be helpful yeah. and beneficial? Yeah, I think um, the first thing I would say is notice your feelings, right? And a lot of times we're going to notice those big feelings first, right? So I talked about anger. Anger is a big feeling. And anger is often a secondary emotion, right? So it's the leaves of a tree. There's something under it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's usually sadness, right? Betrayal, mm-hmm. hurt. And for me, it was hurt. Like I was constantly being put in a position that I did not feel I should be put in, mm-hmm. right? And I felt like I was missing parts of my life because I was responsible for certain things. And so like, just kind of even noticing I am angry and not shaming it because we're so mm-hmm. quick to be like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. My brother yeah, didn't treat me That's something sick. that you even pointed out earlier when you were mm-hmm. like, I know I need to go to therapy, but I don't know why. Like I shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, I, I everything's shouldn't. working out. So Everything's cool. I'm going to class. I'm fine. <laughs> right. Um, but we were so quick to do that. And I think if we think about parenting, or how our parents' generation parented, it was like, why are you crying? You have nothing to cry. You have nothing to cry about. You have no reason to cry. When the actually, roof over your head, sad. there's food in the kitchen. Hey! Hey! Why are you crying? The light is on. You have hot water. 
Right. Like, okay. Literally. Those are necessities of life. Correct. Correct. And I get where you're coming from, mm-hmm. right? Because of your background. However, I'm feeling sad and a response to sadness is tears. Mm-hmm. Right. Just as a response to happiness can be tears as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, not so we were taught from certain people in our lives to shame our emotions. And then we start shaming our emotions, which is noticing, all right, I'm really angry. Don't even know why. But I think that's where it starts. Just noticing that. Noticing it. And not saying anything about it. Not judging it. Nothing. I'm angry. And I still do it. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't even know why I'm sad. I'm just sad. Mm. It's cool. We're going to get through it. And that's where that self-compassion comes in. This is just where we are right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to get through it. I'm not going to say it's fine. It's, we're going to make it through. And I, so I think just that, and I love when you talk about podcasts. Podcasts are my favorite. Mm-hmm. I really love like getting that information in. And so just listening to these kind of podcasts, listening to audiobooks, if you have access to audiobooks, um, to kind of just begin that self-help process. Because I think that even helps when you go into therapy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. having already I'm always started. Telling my therapist about a podcast I listen to or a TikTok. Yes. TikTok that and I love when people do that because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go look it up. Mm-hmm. And I will because I want to. I want to know more. I want to like, oh, this is great. Like, how can I also incorporate this? And I'll tell people, I'm gonna use that. Use someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. Um, and so it's just really helpful to know that you're also doing the work on your own. Because therapy is not, co- we're coming to the couch and we're going to talk about it and then the hour's over and it's done. Therapy is, we talk about it and now how am I going to carry it out? In yeah, my how do I practice life? this in real time? How do I yes. process this in real time? Yeah. 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 I, so if you're not doing enough. the work, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You're it, paying yep. someone money to listen to you and give you a little bit of I, I wouldn't call it therapy advice, but like navigate the conversation and help you explore certain areas. And then you're not doing anything with it. It's just like going to church every Sunday, but not really practicing. Putting things into practice. Right. Not putting things into mm-hmm. practice or even building mm-hmm. a personal relationship with God because you right. can put certain things into practice, but not everything. I mean, this is a whole different story, but I feel like not everything that's in the Bible is was set by god you need to mm. clean that yeah. knowledge from him and he yeah. will direct you um mm-hmm. but yeah you know that's how mm-hmm. i see that's how i see therapy and i think that's great you know and i i definitely believe that will be helpful for a lot of young women who are navigating therapy currently because yeah. like can i say mm-hmm. one more thing about that so i think um you said about how do we even start self-compassion asking yourself what would I tell a friend right now because mm. we yeah. tend to like talk really good to our friends mm-hmm. right like we can give the best advice but then when it comes to ourselves we're a little bit harsher yeah um, and so self-compassion literally that question what would I say to a friend what would I say to somebody that I love mm. answering that question. actually verbally saying that out yes can help yeah. you start to process absolutely that's absolutely mm-hmm. that's great yeah. man i feel like we've touched on so much yeah. <laughs> in this time frame. um i you know just 
thinking about the, you know, the experience that you have now honored us with mm-hmm. knowing about you and also speaking mm-hmm. on your career and how the two intertwine, I think one thing that I want to point out um, for those that will be listening is this just shows that regardless of what career you're in, you're mm-hmm. human. Yeah. And you, you have similar experiences to people mm-hmm. within your category. Mm-hmm. Um, and to let people know that whatever you're experiencing, you're not alone. And just mm-hmm. find comfort in the fact that you aren't alone. You know, we have Dr. Stephanie here <laughs> just... <laughs> even talking about her experiences and we haven't really even got into a lot of like your clinical expertise. Um, Mm -hmm. but even what we've touched on, you know, just seeing how in the process of your experiences, you had to first fill your feelings and go through the process that everyone else goes through before you can then add that professional thinking or put that professional hat on to see how this, you know, how can I maneuver with this current situation? Mm-hmm. Now I'm calling you Dr. Stephanie because, you know, I know you're Dr. Stephanie Opara Sule. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would love to kind of get into that dynamic that we previously mentioned of, you know, now you're married um, but even getting before marriage, you know, you first had this understanding of, I am handling a lot that I mm-hmm. don't, I shouldn't be handling, but I'm mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to f- hear how the dynamic changed between you and your parents, because mm-hmm. I feel like for me, I'll, I'll give my own personal experience, um, yeah. Me, when I when I realized how independent I was and how I was actually taking on things, it took some time. There was some friction. There was some fear. But eventually, I was able to tell my parents, okay, no, this isn't how things are going to go. This is how things, this is how I want things to go, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, that was the template for every situation, whether it came to what I was pursuing with school, where I wanted to move to, even up to me getting married and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I was able to finally get to the point of that pushback. And it it was, there was some tension there because in, Mm -hmm. even though they don't see the big responsibility that, that they placed on you, you're still their daughter, you know, you're still their child. Yeah. So how would you, and and you can speak on this from a perspective, professional perspective, how would you suggest someone really combat that dynamic or that mm-hmm. shift um, mm-hmm. when it comes to the relationship with their parents? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can speak on how that was for you and then from a clinical perspective, yeah. what we, you yeah. should, what you would suggest. Sure. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was hard. And I, I would say just being who I am as a person and not wanting to make people feel bad. Mm. Right. And like, it was just kind of, sometimes the question became, do I sacrifice my happiness for my family? Mm. Do I sacrifice, you know, like, do we pause certain things? Just granted, I got married during a pandemic. That's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. Do we move our wedding? 
a year out, which looking back, I'm like, I'm glad we did it because look at what's happening right now. Anyway, Sis. Um, <laughs> do, we, do we postpone the wedding or do we have a small wedding now? Right. Like it was just, there's just so much. And I was like, I know my parents are not going to be very happy with what's going on, but it's just like, here's where we're at. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I had to ask myself, like, what is authentic to me? Mm. If I took my parent, if my parents were completely 100% comfortable with whatever I did, what would I do? Mm. And that answer a lot of times is different from what I was thinking I should do. Mm. Right. I was just like, I would get married right now, today. Mm-hmm. Right. So- Girl, I did it. <laughs> That wedding listen, date and that marriage date is very different listen, from me. <laughs> listen, listen, understood, right? And so it's just like asking, like, if my parents were 100% okay with whatever I did, what would I do, mm. right? Um, and, you know, Nigerian culture, African culture is big on respect. So I wanted to make sure, like, we are respectfully mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. Um, and so what we were intentional about is, thank God for Zoom, our families, we get on Zoom every month. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at. This is the date. This is w- what we've done so far. This is where you can help. Do you have any advice for us? So we were very, like, very inclusive of them. Mm-hmm. We didn't want them to feel like you're not a part of the process. But I also sat down with my parents at the beginning of the year because um, we got married six in june so we had six months i was like these are all the things that we need to clear like these are the things like the phone bill like all these things need to be out of me like i can't these are the things that can no longer be under me Mm. and so it was very clear like this is what i'm letting go of these are the responsibilities i'm letting go of Mm. and as i was transitioning things changing it to my brother's name they knew okay this person is now in charge of the phone bill Mm-hmm. This person is now in charge of the cable, right? Like mm-hmm. everything was um, clear because I think the more clarity we have, the less fear, room for fear Because mm-hmm. fear like can get in and our brains can be creative and make up all these stories. Mm-hmm. But if I'm telling you, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going about it that should clear a lot of things up um and then i think just grace for your parents and grace for yourself Mm -hmm. it's a new for at least for me it was a new process Mm -hmm. never been through it we didn't get it a hundred percent well we didn't get it a hundred percent right in some people's opinion right like we didn't Mm -hmm. and it was it is what it is yes we we had our wedding two and a half years ago to, to the date. And there are still people upset about certain mm-hmm. things that we did or did not do. Oh. So that uh, uh, one thing I would want to know is that, look, in your actions, reactions, whatever, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be upset. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be someone who thinks you should have done it a different way or done something different. Just mm-hmm. as... Stephanie said, do what is authentic to you. 
Mm-hmm. And as you were speaking about, you know, changing the dynamic with your parents and kind of like, in a way, putting your foot down with, okay, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to, one, this is how I'm maneuvering in regards to my mm-hmm. relationship. And mm-hmm. two, this is what I need to take off of me to be right. successful in this new chapter. Right. And, you know, th- then creating a space for everyone to be a part um, but still, you know, really honing in on your boundaries and expectations of the process. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people will hear that and be like, oh, that's disrespectful. That's, mm-hmm. that's this, that's that, you know, that is, that's not the way things are supposed to be done culturally, whatever the case may be. And one thing that I will want to point out with, from what you said is, Someone feeling disrespected and you actually being disrespectful are two different things. Two different things. Completely different. And I think that was that was something huge that I had to realize because there are people to this day, we're six months in, to this day, they're like, Oh, you never brought your husband to see us. And I'm like, wait, who? <laughs> like <laughs> Because like, oh, he yeah. has met the people he was supposed to meet. Right. Exactly. And, that's just that it's just like we've never really had a relationship so it's kind of weird to me that you're moving this way and I think I definitely vented to you a lot about yeah that, about but like mm-hmm. it was it was a lot but it's just like I don't even you know but there's that whole respect culture like you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that mm-hmm. I'm just like that's not what I want. <laughs> exactly. 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 And it was a testament of being authentic to yourself and realizing that me being authentic to myself is not disrespectful. Right. This person feeling disrespected is a trauma and trigger that they personally need to deal with mm-hmm. and has nothing to do with me. Right. Um, I think this was such a great conversation. I feel yeah, like there's so many... Oh we could God. be on this for hours, literally hours. Literally. But you know, wow. I've I've learned so much from you. Just, I mean, over the course of years as a friend, um, and as a a very significant person in my life, when it comes to like, you know, venting and wondering, okay, am I thinking right about this? You know, <laughs> and you know just relationship-wise and even, you know, in this, our conversation. Um, and, you know, I would ask, are there any points that you would like to end this conversation on? Um, I would say, I would say, um, I don't know why conflict is coming up for me. Um, but it's something that me and my husband talk about a lot, actually. Because I've always, I haven't had the best view of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to like make that more general and think of like, how were things handled in your home? Mm. And we can, we'll navigate certain things in relationships differently mm-hmm. because of how conflict is handled in our home. Sis. Oh, you right, can go right. to a whole nother hour because <laughs> this. I, I was just like thinking something that, that I had to navigate in my relationship because yeah, girl. the way we handled um, the way we handled situations 
it, within my family was very different from my husband's family. And I mm-hmm. caught wind of that early on. And it made me realize, mm-hmm. okay, we need to start having more open and honest conversations when we're starting, mm-hmm. you know, things because it can go left real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. But, you know... I feel like if we even get deeper into that, I know we, we can. can like, <laughs> it will be a whole thing. All I'm saying is, but um, um, my point in all of this is um, definitely I don't. I'm not like oh therapy for all. I think therapy is very helpful. Um, definitely recommend it. Highly recommended. But I think learning the patterns unlearning certain patterns is so necessary for us to move forward especially as daughters of the diaspora mm-hmm. right because it impacts work and it impacts friendships it impacts marriages right when we don't learn these things that our parents unknowingly pass down mm-hmm. right and it some of it is generational right mm-hmm. and has passed down and so we really need to like unlearn some of these things and as we're doing that and be okay with ourselves. unlearning it you know yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. this is necessary and showing ourselves that grace you know along the way so that's that's my overall arching point like unlearn that sis unlearn that <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Yeah. Stephanie Oparasule. Yeah. Yes, and we're keeping that maiden in the name in there because Lit, she was because Dr. Oparasule before shooting in the. Come on, I said you were with me shooting in the chat. Yes, <laughs> sisters out there, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? You made these. It's okay. You made yes. these accomplishments with that Absolutely. name. You're, you're keeping mm-hmm. that name. Yeah, I'm here for it. I have kept it. <laughs> here for it. Well, thank you so much for being yes. our first guest on um, our I'm podcast. so honored and I am grateful that you've created this space for us to like feel like ourselves, you know. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, Daughters of the Diaspora, that is it. Until next time.